Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2344, with the release date of Friday, September 30th, 2022, to follow in 54321. The following is a QST. Hams take to the airwaves for Hurricane Ian. A new report offers insights into the collapse of the Arecibo radio telescope. And radio rides along for a bicycle climb up an iconic mountain. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2344 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron, NATMW. Our top story this week looked at amateur radio's response as a life-threatening hurricane brought destruction in the southern United States. Randy Sly, W4XJ, brings us those details. As Hurricane Fiona left Canada's maritime provinces as a tropical depression, another hurricane was beginning to form in the Caribbean, tracking toward western Cuba, the Cayman Islands, and the western shores of Florida. The handoff between the two storms gave little time to relax for amateur radio operators working with the Hurricane WatchNet, VOIPNet, Salvation Army Emergency Radio Network, and emergency communications groups such as Ares. By the time Ian reached the Florida coast near Fort Myers, it was a Category 4 hurricane with sustained winds of 155 miles per hour. This catastrophic storm caused significant damage along with storm surge, torrential rains, flooding, power outages, and spin-up tornadoes. Bobby Graves, manager of the Hurricane WatchNet, said that the net would remain in full emergency mode to assist with any emergency, medical, or priority traffic, as well as working with Saturn, the Salvation Army's network, to help in handling any outgoing health and welfare traffic. The net was to remain active after Ian's downgrade so hams could assist with post-storm reports for the National Hurricane Center. The FCC has also adopted a 60-day waiver that permitted hams to use a higher symbol rate for data transmissions above the legal limit of 300 baud when assisting Hurricane Ian traffic. This is Randy Sly, W4XJ. A new report has pinpointed some contributing causes behind the collapse of what was once the largest radio telescope in the world. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, brings us up to date. Engineers have identified a number of key factors that led to the 2020 collapse of the Arecibo Telescope, once the world's largest radio telescope. A forensic examination by the New York-based firm Thornton Tomasetti identified issues that included the design of the cable system with relatively low safety factors for gravity loads, as well as the force of naturally occurring events in the environment. Those included Hurricane Maria in 2017 and the January 2020 earthquake tremors in Puerto Rico, where the telescope was located. The report said that despite having hurricane-resistant design, Arecibo's cable system had already led it to suffer stress under its own weight whenever storms hit. The engineers recommended higher safety factors for cable systems under such conditions. Although the investigators said they found the telescope to be generally well-maintained, they did note in the report that they found moisture had intruded, paint had degraded, and individual wires had broken within the cable system. This is Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. 
A family in Bangladesh has been reunited with a long-missing relative thanks to hams on both sides of the border with India. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, gives us the rest of this story. It took 12 years and, ultimately, two groups of amateur radio operators to return a man to his home and his family in Bangladesh. The reunion took place on September 21st, allowing the man to leave the state-run home in Kolkata, where he had been following a lengthy hospitalisation. His family reported that he'd gone missing a dozen years ago. He had apparently crossed the border into West Bengal. Press accounts in the Millennium Post and other media outlets described the 27-year-old man as mentally challenged and thus unable to provide information about his origins, either to hospital personnel or later to those at the state home. Authorities at the home contacted the West Bengal Radio Club. Club Secretary Embarish Nagbiswas, VU2JFA, visited the man and determined he was from Bangladesh. He reached out for help to Anup Burmik, S21TV, Secretary of the Amateur Radio Society of Bangladesh. The two clubs arranged for a video call between the man and his family, and after that, details were worked out for his return home. This is Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Nothing can compare with the gift of knowledge, and that's what a group of hams in Tennessee recently gave to their local library. Ham radio knowledge, of course. Skeeter Nash, N5ASH, picks up the story from here. The Andrew Johnson Amateur Radio Club may not have written the book on amateur radio, but its members recently showed they know how to share the wealth of radio knowledge contained in some valuable volumes. The Tennessee Club has donated a collection of new and used ham radio-related volumes to the Greenville, Greene County Public Library. A press release from the club said the gift was part of the group's mission to provide community service and advocate for radio knowledge and education. The group thanked the Walmart Distribution Center in Greene County for a $500 donation that helped the club compile the book collection. The books were presented to the library by President Ian Bible, KE4EAC, and Secretary-Treasurer Larry Whiteside, KN4MVH. The books include Ham Radio for the New Ham by Stan W. Merrill, two copies of Ham Radio for Dummies by H. Ward Silver, and The World of Ham Radio, 1901-1950, A Social History. For tinkerers, there is Antique Radio Restoration Guide by David Johnson and Antique Radio Repair and Restoration, 4th Edition by Alfred Corbin, which discusses vacuum tube radios. A number of ARRL publications are also in the collection, including a digital handbook and a license manual. This is Skeeter Nash, N5ASH. A club in New South Wales, Australia, has big plans for some outdoor operation, and everyone is invited. John Williams, VK4JJW, tells how you can attend. The Central Coast Amateur Radio Club in New South Wales is hoping everyone can join them at their next outing, a portable op and picnic event. Yes, this means hams in Europe, and this also means hams in North America. The club's setting up a big festive gathering on the 15th of October at Terrigal Haven on Australia's South Pacific coastline, where members will socialise with one another while promoting amateur radio to strangers. Of course, if there's an ocean or a continent or both in the way of your being there... That's no excuse for not participating. Starting at 11.30am local time and going through till at least 4pm, radio operators of the outing will have a path on 20 metres into New Zealand, North America, and as the day wears on, signals will be favoured into Europe. Listen for the club call signs VK2AFW and VK2WFD.
As with any picnic and any radio activation, everyone will keep an eye on the weather, terrestrial as well as solar. This is John Williams, VK4JJW. Meanwhile, as Newsline went to production, the Australian Communications and Media Authority announced it was asking for amateurs to comment on the proposed class license for non-assigned amateur and outpost stations. The ACMA is also reviewing issues related to higher power operations. This process is part of the ACMA's ongoing five-year spectrum review. The ACMA website at acma.gov.au is accepting submissions until the close of business on the 29th of November. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including D-Star Reflector 91C on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. local time in Melbourne, Australia. A new amateur radio education project in Romania has begun reaching thousands of students, as well as their families. Ed Durant, DD5LP, tells us more. Enjoying amateur radio is a family priority for Patrika, Y09RIJ, his wife, Arlena, Y09RYJ, and their son, Rares, a shortwave listener with the call sign Y09-001. Since the spring, however, spreading the word about amateur radio has become an additional priority. Arlena, a college professor, believes that the science of radio is an important part of students' education, inspiring Patrika to develop an educational curriculum with lessons mixing science and amateur radio. Called Radio Science 2.0, it was one of six projects to win funding from the Romanian American Foundation this past spring. By May... Students were receiving lessons in the schools and even in the parks with hams from the Romanian contest team participating to share their experiences too. Patrika told Newsline in an email that nearly 5,000 youngsters and teenagers and even parents and grandparents have since attended classes to learn and to explore kit building. More recently, more than 50 young people took their ANCOM exam a little more than a week ago testing to earn their licence. Patricka said this is just the beginning. His dream is to build a ham radio centre in Buzz Our City. He said it is a real challenge, but we have hope. This is Ed Durant, DD5LP. The annual AMQSO party, sponsored by the Antique Wireless Association, isn't so much a contest as a challenge. It invites hams to get on the air using radio's original form of voice communication, amplitude modulation. Andy Morrison, K9AWM, tells us about this year's event. Ron Skipper, W8ACR, coordinator of the AMQSO party for the Antique Wireless Association, considers this year's event a success. The weekend operation introduced hams to amplitude modulation or reminded longtimers that AM is still a viable option. During the two-day activity on September 24th and 25th, Ron himself made 40 or so contacts during the QSO party. He told Newsline that three of those operators he logged said they were experiencing either their first or second time using AM mode. 
Ron told Newsline, quote, I think that once a ham operator uses AM successfully, he realizes that it is a viable alternative to SSB and not just an outdated mode of communication, end quote. Rag chews were encouraged, and for others, so was simply listening. Ron reminds hams that there's plenty of time now to prepare for the next AMQSO party. If your rig already has AM mode, try it out. If you have vintage gear at home, dust it off. Or if you are a home brewer, get busy. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. To help amateurs in the U.K. comply with EMF exposure limits, the Radio Society of Great Britain has updated its calculator and is also looking for input on the changes. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, brings us those details. An updated tool has become available to help hams comply with Ofcom licensed requirements to monitor their station's electromagnetic field exposure. The Radio Society of Great Britain has made changes to both its online calculator and web app and is seeking feedback on the new versions, which have been launched on a trial basis. The new calculators enable hams to determine EIRP as well as compliance distances. According to the RSGB website, the updated calculators no longer have the previous version's 10 MHz minimum frequency restriction or the minimum separation of the near-field boundary. They recommend a compliance distance of 2.4 metres to keep people from coming into contact with the antenna. The new version also calculates limits set by the International Commission on Non-Ionising Radiation Protection for 1998 and 2020. Additional details are available on the Society's website, rsgb.org. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. In the world of DX, listen for the special call sign TM10KIY, marking the 10th anniversary of the Radio Club du Pays de Need until October 7th. Club members will be on various HF bands using CW, SSB, RIDI, SSTV, and FT8-FT4. QSL via F4KIY through the Bureau or Direct. In Guadalupe, listen for CG, DL7DF, Manfred, DK1BT, Wolf, DL4WK, Annette, DL6SAK, Tom, DL7BO, and Frank, DL7UFR, operating as TO2DL between the 10th and 23rd of October. Guadalupe has the IOTA designation of NA-102. Operators will be on various HF bands using different modes. QSL via DL7DF, direct, or through the DARC Bureau. The full logs of the de-expedition will be uploaded to LOTW six months after the team has returned. Members of the Calabria DX team will be active as ID9Y from Volcano Island, IOTA EU-017, between October 5th and 9th. They include Alex, IK8YFU, Domenico, IW8RAO, Sal, IZ8CZR, and Luigi, IU8GUK. Listen on various HF bands where the operators will be using CW, SSB, RIDI, and FT8. QSL only via LOTW or EQSL.
Marco, IS0BSR, and a number of other amateurs will be using the call sign IM0B from San Pietro Island, IOTA number EU165, between October 22nd and November 5th. QSL only via Logbook of the World. For our final story, we visit Mount Washington in the United States, a summit known to pose a challenge to anyone who wants to get to the top. Amateur radio helped make that triumphant trip safer recently for some bicyclists. As we hear from Ralph Squalacci, KK6ITB. There's no question in anyone's mind that New Hampshire's Mount Washington, the highest peak in the northeastern United States, presents a climb to remember, whether by car, by foot, or even by bicycle. The summit of 6,288 feet, or nearly two kilometers, is hardly a challenge for radio waves, which is why hams from clubs and emergency service units throughout the state and other parts of New England were on hand a few weeks ago for the 49th annual Mount Washington Auto Road Bicycle Hill Climb. More than 500 cyclists turned up for the event, which is the largest fundraising event held by the Tin Mountain Conservation Center, an environmental education group in New Hampshire. Riding up what is considered by experts to be one of the world's toughest hill climbs, cyclists were assisted only by their own stamina and muscle power, and of course, the power of amateur radio. It was a particularly big day for one cyclist, a four-time winner who not only regained his title, but set a new record of 50 minutes and 38 seconds. The ride itself raised more than $20,000 for the nonprofit group. It was also a big win for the hams who were given a big share in everyone's victory. Race director Aaron Holmes told the competitors afterward, We could not do this event year after year without teams at the Mount Washington Auto Road and the Central New Hampshire Amateur Radio Club as our eyes on the mountain to keep you all safe. In that respect, everyone crossed the finish line together. I'm Ralph Squillachi, KK6ITB. With thanks to Ambarish Nagbishwash, VU2JFA, the ARRL, Central Coast Amateur Radio Club, the Conway Daily Sun, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, Millennium Post, National Science Foundation, Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com, Radio Society of Great Britain, Ron Skipper, W8ACR, Southgate Amateur Radio News, shortwaveradio.de, Thornton Tomasetti, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer nonprofit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Jim Dameron, N8TMW in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022, all rights reserved.